a cracking shot there. Shot right to the crowd. I'm glad to be online and joined by Scotland superstar stroke, bit of a freak talent, if you ask me, uh, George Munsey. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you very much, Shaky. Pleasure to be on. It's good to have you, mate. It's good to have you. Um, how's things? How you been in? Uh, have you have you been enjoying lockdown? Uh, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been tough. Uh, managed to go on a few runs and uh, just try and keep the old mind ticking over and uh, doing what I can, really. How about yourself? Well, I've got a five-month-old daughter um, who's kept me very busy, um, driven me up the wall a couple of times, considering normally I'd be able to get a little bit of time out and go to work or go do something. Yeah. You know, being in lockdown has been a wake-up call with such a, a young baby. Um, but no, it's been um, it's been kind of a blessing in some ways because normally I wouldn't get to spend as much time as I have. Um, so no, I'm I'm pretty thankful. At the same time, I'm ready to get out there and back into the real world. But no, I think you've got to take the positives out of everything. Um, what what have you have you been living alone, or you got you got you with another half, or? Yeah, so I'm just uh, with my missus, she's um, she's still been working through this period. Um, so I've I've managed to have the the flat to myself most of the time. So uh, playing Call of Duty with the boys has been uh, has been the go-to. Is that with the old headphones on and a bit of banter yeah, at the yeah, same yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's let's get uh, let's get straight into it then. Um, this is a this is an interesting one for me, Mans, because for those that don't know, I mean, I I never played cricket with you. I think my only memory of you is playing a regional game at Air, if my memory strikes me correctly. Um, I didn't last very long at the crease, but I remember you were fielding at mid-off, if I'm right. This was right back when the regional stuff started. Is my memory, am I right there? Uh, yeah, I think so. I might have been 12th man, actually, for that, um, for that game. I'm not sure if I even played that. That was when, uh, I think that was one of Smudge's final games and he was slog sweeping it. Uh, everywhere at the part of batting, sort yeah. of uh, at the back end. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the first year of the introduction of the of the regional stuff. So you would have been obviously just starting to make your way um, yeah. into the into the regional setup. Um, I want to take you back to kind of your your childhood and whatnot, and and talk to you about. I believe you were born twenty first of February nineteen ninety three. Yeah, getting old. Trust me, mate. You're not getting old. <laughs> You know, if you're getting old, then I'm getting really old, and I'm still trying to stay. Just keep, just keep telling myself um, that I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably young. 1993, great year. A year after Pakistan famously won the World Cup, so it's, uh, you've just missed that, missed that year. Um, but I mean, where were you born? What was it like growing up? So yeah, I was, I was born down in Oxford. Um, grew up there, playing a lot of golf, playing a lot of sports. Uh, went to school down there. Um, just. Just remember lovely hot summers, uh, just being outdoors all the time, and following the old man about, be it in the on the cricket field or around the golf course, and just uh, just having a lot of fun outdoors. So your your old man, your, your sport kind of came through your old man. He was a keen keen cricketer, played a bit of golf. So you just kind of you, you know you just kind of fell into that then. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my, my old man, he played uh, every sport under the sun. Um, his probably best sport was tennis, but uh, 
you know, he's a handy golfer and a handy cricketer. I think he uh, top scored for Oxfordshire 173 or something in the over, I think it was the over 45s. So he, he could hold a bat or he, oh, used, yeah, to, he yeah. used to hold a bat. So, uh, no, there was some oh, good, so, no, good Listen, there. anyone that can score 100, it's better, you know, uh, clearly, can, clearly can play a bit. So what age were you when you kind of, how long did you live down in, down in Oxford for? Um, so I've been down in Oxford since, well, until about age 12. Then I moved to school in Scotland at, at Loretto. But, uh, you know, growing up, most of my childhood was down there at the local cricket club and the, and the golf clubs down there. So uh, good fond memories of uh, being back in Oxfordshire. Well, you can tell you're from Oxford. You're a very well-spoken young chap. Do you? you know, it doesn't sound like I'm talking to some of the riffraff from Glasgow or Edinburgh. So I'll do my best to talk a little bit slowly for you today, Mon, so you understand me. Yeah, no problem. I mean, you did start with flanners, so you're not really setting the bar that high. Did you, did, I mean, you probably needed subtitles for that episode. Yeah, exactly. Thankfully, I've been with flanners for a while now, so I can just about get the second or third word. <laughs> so when you say you came to Loreto, was that just you yourself um, came as a chip or was the family moving up here, work, etc.? Um, so I got a golf scholarship to Loretto. I moved up uh, to boarding school by myself. Um, the family stayed home, but my, my dad works in Glasgow quite a bit. So he, he ended up driving for about five years up and down the country from Oxford to Glasgow every week. And, you know, he was always just, just the other city across, across the way there to uh, come give me some cash when it ran out or, you know, whatever you needed. Yeah. No, but that must have been quite daunting, you know, 12 years old, making a move from, from home, away from your, away from your home comforts. Um, I mean, I didn't leave home and go to kind of play cricket abroad until I was 17. So by 17, you know, you're a lot more, you're almost a young adult by that point. But 12 years old, I mean, lucky you obviously had your dad around. But how was it initially? Were you, I mean, did you, did you find that transition quite difficult? Well, thankfully, I, I actually went up um, the year before I started. I had like a trial week. And um, it was when we were, you know, sitting exams and um, Loretto were looking for potential golfers to join the golf academy. And I um, was lucky enough to get invited to do a trial week. And I had so much fun. I couldn't even tell you that uh, I was just hoping and praying that uh, I'd get one of the scholarships and, and can make it there. And I think when you're that age, it's, it's quite an easy age to adjust. And I was yep. just super excited to get stuck into some high quality golf, New, new surroundings and uh, make some new friends. So I was, I was quite lucky it was at that age. And I think any later, it would have definitely been a lot harder. But, um, you know, at, at that age, you, you're so malleable. You can just, you just get on with it with a smile and everything. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Just the excitement. It sounds like it was a great buzz for you. So being around loads of different lads and doing with the same passion, I imagine that just kind of filled up, filled any kind of, if you went away for like, boarding school maybe with people that didn't share a lot of the same passions and didn't, didn't maybe put it in I suppose it would have been maybe a little bit a little bit more challenging but would they be right in saying then that golf was the first love then or you know the fact that he went and moved away from home to play golf as a scholarship I'm assuming that was kind of your you were looking to be a you know a pro, pro golfer at that point yeah definitely golf was probably my my first ambition I think um I was sort of well on the way to to making golf, you know, a potential career for myself. I think, you know, I was very lucky with my upbringing to play loads and loads of sports and just, you know, really, really, really enjoy sports. And uh, going to Loretto certainly 
um, you know, helped um, path away for, for golf. Um, it, it's also just, you know, growing up with my old man, I used to follow him around um, all the sports that he played and golf was probably the only one that I could actually play with him as well. So yeah, we actually yeah. ended up playing a lot more golf than other sports. You know, I used to go down and watch him play cricket and I'd end up playing with myself in the nets whilst he was playing and, you know, with the other kids around. But, you know, golf's a very inclusive sport. So it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, what standard you're at. There's, you know, there's something for everyone and it sort of uh, got me hooked quite early. So is it safe to say, well, at the age of 12, 13, 14, you were already taking your, ready potentially beating your dad on the golf course? When did, when did, when did, you, start, uh, when did you start taking the title off him? Well, uh, he, he made a bet with me um, when I must have been about eight or nine years old. And he said, the day you beat me is the day you get a new set of clubs. Okay, and, good uh, incentive. Yeah, a good incentive. And, and I'm not joking. I think it was three weeks later I beat him. And it took him four years to get me a set of clubs. And, uh, I, you know, I still hold it to him to this day that he didn't get me you a set. You must have been thinking, you must have been <laughs> thinking three weeks later, what have I, what have I said? Because as we, as we know, golf, a set of golf clubs is not a... It's not a cheap, uh, cheap investment. It's, um, it's a lot more, it's probably one of the more expensive sports you can play. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the cost of some of these clubs is, is unbelievable. But okay, he got it in the end, four years later. So he did deliver. Well, well done, Mr. Monday. Good on you. Um, so safe to say then, dad was already getting a, a govern on the, on, the, on the golf course from a, very, from a very young age. It must be pretty difficult to, um, for a father to deal with with his 12 or 13-year-old son when he's been trying to trying to, you know, succeed in golf for all, all, in, all his years. But I could talk to you about golf all day long, but let's get on to the subject that I know a little bit about, which is, uh, which is cricket. Did you play cricket then? Was it like golf mostly and then start playing a bit of, you know, Loretto playing a bit of cricket as well? Or did you join a club? Or when, when did the cricketing start taking off? Yeah, so just like a load of other sports, I played, I played everything. And it was all, you know, school time and outside school time. Um, that I would play all these sports, but um, outside of school, it was very much cricket and golf, and um, those were the two sort of passions of mine growing up. And uh, you know that down south, cricket is, is, is huge, um, and it's growing a lot in Scotland, and it's getting bigger and bigger. But you know, yeah. looking now, almost ten years, well, almost twenty years ago, um, it wasn't as big in Scotland, and. Yeah. You know, it's just, I remember, I remember coming to Loretto on a golf scholarship, but also enjoying everything else that they had to offer with cricket, hockey, all these other sports, rugby. And, uh, you know, going to a golf, a golf school, well, a school with a golf academy, and yeah. your mate's running off to play cricket and you're on the, on the golf bus, you, you start thinking about what, what else is there, what else could you yeah. be doing? So uh, the transition started to happen quite quickly into cricket. And... Uh, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying that, and it's always it's always been something that's been on the back burner for a, you know from an, from an early age growing up playing playing cricket. So it's uh, it's something I've been playing most of my life. So what club? What was the first club you joined? My first club was uh, probably I think it was Kennington CC in Oxford, and then quickly okay. moving to Cumnor Cricket Club, um, where my old man played, and uh, you know I've still got quite a few. So, Good friends there that still play and uh, don the whites on a Saturday and play silly time cricket when it when it uh, when it allows for half the season. Yeah. 
So what club was the first club you joined in, uh, in Scotland? So at Loretto, you know, we, we played on the weekend, so we didn't actually play too much club cricket. But in the, in yeah. the holidays when I could, I started playing for, for Musselburgh. Musselburgh okay, Seas. Yeah. yeah, I used yeah. to get uh, picked up by uh, the captain who uh, would come pick a few of us up to try and bolster the, their, their club team. Yeah. Um, thankfully, we didn't have to pay for teas or uh, match fees just back then. Yeah, nice. um, but uh, my, you know, the first my first proper club was probably Grange when I started investing time, you know, men's training sessions and uh, actually uh, outside of school. That was probably the my first proper club in in Scotland. So what age would you have been at that point? Uh, joining the Grange, I think I was sixteen, seventeen. Okay. So at that point, I'm trying to think who would who were the kind of the guys kicking about in the green side at that time. I mean, you're talking what? What? You're talking. Name name me some of the boys that were kicking about. Uh, well, uh, some recently, you know, retired retired boys: uh, McCullum, Gregor Maiden, Smudge, yeah. uh, Stuart Davidson, um, yeah. Stuart Moffat, Sanj Patel. Yeah. Homes. yeah, it was a serious, yeah. serious dressing room. Yeah, good, good, good team, I remember. I was just trying to work out the years there. Uh, it was such a long time ago that I was trying to work out who would have been around, but I played against I played against those teams, that, that team a lot. I mean, you, you obviously had, you've got a lot of good guys there for you to kind of, you know, look at and train with. Obviously, what was it like playing with Neil McCallum? Bit of a character, eh, Macker? <laughs> yeah, you when know. He's got, when, he, when he's got his clothes on. <laughs> Well, that wasn't wasn't very often, but um, <laughs> no, look, I, I was very lucky to be in a in a dressing room like that uh, at that age. You know, it's quite yeah. a age that for development, and without a shadow of a doubt, I was very lucky. Um, obviously, Maka is absolute legend. He loves to play little tricks on you, and you, you yeah, yeah. When, you were, when you're new in the dressing room, you were the you're yeah. the biggest hit. But um, you know, back then. They had such a such a good dressing room, but um, I was I was batting. I think I was batting ten, even eleven at times, and opening the bowling yeah. back then. I wasn't I wasn't really uh, making much of a dent in the first team, but uh, okay. when you had such a experience of players, it was it was just a good place to sort of learn learn your trade and you know see how the guys go about their business. Okay. When did the batting talent really start to? When did you start to you know realize that there's just there's, there's something here. Um, it was probably at Loretto with uh, Michael Powell. Obviously, we were quite lucky to have a director of cricket with, you know, such pedigree, such experience, playing at Warwickshire for so long. Captain Warwickshire, yep. a few titles. He was, he was quite a big part of my development. Um, I remember my last year, for example, at school, just, just started to find my way of scoring runs. You know, scoring hundreds whilst trying to whack sixes you know not every ball but a lot of the balls and he was a big part of that to you know trying to tame every ball going for a six and just try and start to construct an inning so I think it's you know it started probably in lower six upper six at Loretta in my last final two years with him and then just just the experiences that you get along the way you know building up building up your way in club cricket hitting a really bad shot and then getting absolutely torn a new one from some older people that you really respect yeah. and, you know that teaches yeah. you a lot and uh, I think all the, all those little opportunities I got growing up you know even playing from Rushborough when they you know just used to put me up top to say go on give it give it a bit of a lick up top and playing with freedom really sort of uh, you know 
helped guide me to what what I've uh, what I've done so far and what I'm trying to do in the future. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to just kind of go into your international career, which kind of kick-started quite a bit, I believe, around 2014, 2015. Um, you, now, I didn't know much, much about you in junior cricket. Obviously, we're miles apart in age, but I'd heard your name floating about in the club cricket. By the time you kind of came in and really announced yourself, the whole National League had kind of disappeared. So I wasn't really getting, you know, we used to get to see the Edinburgh players a little bit more part time, but I kept, I started hearing this name, George Munsey, gives it a bit of a whack. Um, and you always, you're always sceptical um, in Scotland because I always think, listen, it's got to be a club bully. Let's see what he does when he comes to the international cricket. So I was curious to see, you know, what, what happens with you? Are, you. are you going to get found out when you come into playing a little bit higher ranks? Now, clearly, that, that's not, not happened um, to date, and touch with it, long may it continue that doesn't happen. But two, 2015, T20 tour to Ireland is, uh, was kind of your first introduction to international cricket. Talk to me about your, your memory of that. <laughs> what a memory that is. So we played at Brady, and I don't know if you played at Brady. I've not played at Brady, no. Okay, let me, let me describe it for you. It's a council estate with okay. fences around and you've got this amazing cricket club in and amongst this estate and okay. you, know, you, you hit the ball, you know, I think it was Kevin O'Brien who hit the ball a couple of times over the top of this and you go into the estate thinking, geez, I might, I might not come back here. But um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a surreal moment to go on. Yeah. I think it was my first actual away from Scotland tour as well. And you're in you're the middle of nowhere, lots of fields, a dark, yeah. quite a dark hotel, and I'm like, yeah. this is this is international cricket. This this is this is the business. I've made it. I've made it. This is the stuff teams are made of. I'm, I'm sharing. I'm, I can't remember who I was sharing a room with him, but all I remember is being about a foot away from him in bed. You know, you'd sit in single single beds lined up next to each other, yeah. and you're like, "Yeah, this this is that." Uh, this? this is strange. I mean, I toured Ireland a few good few times. You would either play it, you'd get the pleasure of playing at Stormont, um, or you know, or Malahide. It was obviously more in more recent times. But that sounds that sounds a bit that sounds a bit dull, man. So so did you cricketing wise? How did you how did you get on on that on that trip? How how did you find it? First experience. I could be honest, I, I don't really remember myself batting. Um, I think I did all right. I, I mean, I, yeah. I must have done okay because they, they kept me on, you know, for you a few more games after that. But I generally can't remember it. All I remember is being far too close at mid-wicket when Paul Sterling was batting. And um, I wasn't really concentrating. And when I'm in the field, sometimes I get a bit distracted. And yeah. uh, he hits the ball hard. And I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really... I don't really follow. I didn't follow cricket back then. I was just sort of, who's who's this relatively short, slightly bigger guy coming up yeah. to bat? And oh my, yeah. oh my God, he just smoked it through point first shot, and I, and I was just like, oh, this guy can play next shot, pull shot, and I managed to catch it, but I didn't see it, and that was uh, that was yeah. sort of, uh, my introduction to playing against Ireland and actually going, do you know what? Actually, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. No, they they. they... They produce some talented, talented batters. Actually, I've recorded with Paul Sterling, so I'll be launching an episode with him soon as well. Um, great talent. I remember the first time playing against him as a 16-year-old. He got 120 um, at Miko Reds in a game, and he, and when he came out to look at him, you would 
it's the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, that's that's that certainly applies with Sturlow. But I find fine player. You went on to make your ODI debut. Um, not lot, you know, and to, no, actually before that, there's a big, 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 big moment that you had. First class cricket debut for Northamptonshire against Australia of all teams. I mean, my first class debut was against the Dutch in uh, in Holland. Um, what was that? What was that like going out? I mean, you must have been pinching yourself. I'm playing against Australia in a in a first class game here. Yeah, that was uh, another another good moment that I remember quite clearly. Um, it was the last I think it was the last game before the Ashes started, and I'm okay. pretty sure that everyone that played had been told that they're not getting picked for the Ashes for the first game. And right. all I remember is um, Costa absolutely smoking it, but standing nowhere near his stumps. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Oh, I, can't, I can't remember too much else, but I just remember Costa swinging, swinging his way to, uh, I think he got 87. Um, right. And, uh, you know, I'm... So who was the attack? Who, who, was, who was running in it? Who was running in? Do you remember some of the, the bowlers? Uh, Pat Cummins, uh, Peter Siddle, uh, Mitch Marsh, Nathan Lyon, and, oh, they had a leggy. Who was the leggy? Um, why damn it? No, it was a younger one. The younger, okay. younger leggy, anyway, and uh, yeah. So I, I just, I just remember, you know, I was batting seven, batting low down the order, and we just um, Costa and, and a another, I can't remember, um, put on a massive partnership, and uh, I was just sitting there, you know, not with pads on or anything, just going, this, this international cricket thing, it's easy, isn't it? Just smoking yeah, off the around the park, um, and uh, and then it hit me two quick wickets. Got to start padding up and going, oh god, what am I going to do here? Um, and uh, I think the first over was against Peter Siddle, and I think I played a missed out of five out of six. You know, yeah. had it on a string, nip it, swinging it in a little bit, nipping it away, and I was like, yeah. you know, struggling a little bit. And then um, Pat Cummins steaming in the other end, and I, I managed to actually get, a, you know, chip a few away for four. And uh, I was kind of, I almost felt sorry for him because it didn't look graceful at all. I think I only hit, I hit one good ramp shot like over the slits and yeah. then he went, right, that's it. He had five slits. He was like, that's enough. Slits out, short leg, catching behind the bat, sort of short final leg, two guys out on the pool and uh, Adam Voges was at, at short leg and he goes to me, do you know what? I feel, I feel sorry for you for what's about to happen. And I said, don't worry, mate, I'm not staying in line of this and uh, lasted three balls. He hit me uh, one in the middle of my chest, one on my arm, and I've still got a picture of the bruise of the day. It was all the way along my, uh, oh. my arm, and then I got one on the glove, and I got caught behind. So I lasted three balls after annoying uh, Pat Cummins. But it was, uh, I think, I batted for about 45, 50 minutes, just sort of digging out at sort of 27, which, you know, for someone that's played mostly white ball cricket and club cricket when it's oh. been red ball, I think I did all right. And you know, that that was a that was a seriously fun memory to have in in the bank. Yeah, I mean, what a what a character building moment for you. That, that more than more than anything, I mean, not probably one that you look back and think, oh, you know, I smoked it that day. But fifty minutes against what the, the attack you named there could be could potentially be an Ashes attack. No, you know, on, on day one of a Test match, no problem. I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's a good effort that you, you managed to stay out there for fifty minutes. Good good on you. I want to now get on to 
they talk about when you started whacking some runs in my mid, and, and some highlights that I've got in your career. We've got some of the some of the and I, I know you've been scoring runs already, but some of the real big announcements. I mean, 2017, you made your ODI debut um, against Hong Kong, um, and not too long after that, you played in a match for Gloucestershire. And I need to ask you this: Was Bath play, were, did Bath have anyone bowling that day that could get it down 22 yards? Because how the hell did you score 147 off 39 balls? What well, I mean, pretty, pretty much, it looks like you hit every single ball for six. Yeah, I, I, have you been to Bath Cricket Club? I've not been to the crowd. I played against Bath. I played, right. I played against them many, many years ago when I was at the YCs, but I've not been to the cricket club. Is it? What's it like? It's amazing. So, you know, they've got indoor facilities. They've got a car park that they rent out and make a lot of money off right in the middle of Bath on the river. Um, but the pitch itself has got, you know, quite short, straight boundaries. You know, and we're right. talking one end's about 50 metres. Right, and okay. um, just... You know, on those on those small pitches, you just don't know what a good score is in in T Twenty yeah. cricket. And um, it was one of those days that just you know, from ball one, I, I attacked from ball one, and it just from from ball one, it just went. And you know, they're few and far between, unfortunately. But um, you know, I just I just remember just trying something, and it would just happen, and it would just come off. Um, yeah. But it, it was Gloucester Twos versus Bath Cricket Club. Uh, who, are, who are a good cricket club, you know, they've got a yeah. really good setup. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite an interesting uh, interesting day. Well, listen, look, I'm not disgracing your knock or the bath attack if any of the, all those people are watching. But just for me, I grew up in a different era of cricket months. You know, I grew up where you went out and you made 70 off 75 and you came off thinking, you know what, I'm pretty bloody happy with that. Almost 100% strike rate. You coming into an era um, is totally different. And I think, you know, respect to you for the way that you've just come out into this this form of cricket and just played the way that you've always known. You know, I've seen too many cricketers in Scotland get into the national team and they automatically change the way they play. You know, they think to themselves, right, I'm playing for Scotland now, I'm playing against the counties, I'm playing against an international team. I need to take the... You seem to have just... Never changed from club cricket coming into this form. You went, um, you went out to, to play in uh, another T20 competition, the World Cup qualifiers. And that's, that's a tournament where you really, really launched yourself as, as, as a, you know, probably as, was going to hopefully take you into more T20 leagues, etc. around the world. You were the one, to, you were tipped to be the man to watch. How did you feel about that? Did you, did you feel any kind of pressure on you? going into that tournament, knowing that people had expectations of you? Is this the T20 qualifiers uh, in Scotland? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I was, it, was, it was cool. Um, it, I did feel a little bit more pressure, I'm not going to lie. I thought, um, you know, I was still well under the radar with, with everything that's happened and the way the build-up's been. Um, yeah. I do remember Tobes. Uh, Toby Bailey trying to hide my reverse sweep from teams because he didn't want people to uh, to know that it was my uh, go-to shot, especially your, trade, your trademark. Yeah, I was so going to get. I am going to come on to the old reverse sweep. I do want to talk to you about that in a little bit more depth. But yeah, just how was how how was that kept? How was that kept secret? I mean, how much cricket did you played against the associates at that point? Well, so I wouldn't have played that much against most of the teams. Um, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I I'm not sure if this was allowed or not, but I'm pretty sure there was warm-up matches which weren't uploaded to the public domain 
Um, I played in what I think I played in one of those warm-up games. I played for a, a pros eleven against Canada um, at the Grange. So I, I don't know. I've always wanted to see footage of that, and I was never able to get it. So I think you're probably right. Yeah, and I, and I, I'll be honest. I don't know the honest reasons, but I know that there was a lot of footage that we tried to have a look at, but we couldn't we couldn't see because it hadn't been uploaded. Um, and there's probably far bigger reasons why they weren't uploaded. But uh, it's quite nice to think that it was a tactical. Uh, a tactical plan but um you know playing at home we we had a few warm-up games at golden acre and we played most of our matches at grange we just know it so well and that that gave me bags of confidence especially uh we played against jersey uh at goldie and you know at golden acre beautiful pitches really yeah. short square um in, in corners it can be quite long but for the reverse yeah. from the slog suite, it's you know it's a batter's dream because the pitch is true, mm-hmm. doesn't turn too much, mm-hmm. good bounce, and you can really attack the boundaries. So mm-hmm. having that as a as an early warm up game and getting runs under my belt sort of really put me in you know a good stead for the tournament. And being based at the Grange, where I've been you know practicing growing up, and um, it, it just it just felt right. To, everything felt like home for me. So that that mm-hmm. that was massive. Um, advantage, especially when you know the angles on the sweeping down the hill and um, where you can and can't hit. So that was that was a big factor for me um, mm-hmm. being successful in that tournament, especially as that being my first Scotland tournament. Yeah. So you you performed well there. The one that really stands out for me is uh, sorry, I got maybe got my st- stuff about middles up there. There's also T20 qualifiers that you go to in the UAE. Is that that's further, that's further down the line? Um, that was yeah. There was a uh, what was it called? Desert T20 in UAE. Desert T20. Yeah. And um, that's the one that you 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 were you scored. Is that the one you scored 234 runs in eight matches, leading run scorer in the tournament? No, I had the worst tournament I've ever had in my life in the Desert T20. And it still gives me still gives me nightmares. I remember batting one to four. They tried to put me everywhere, and I couldn't get a run. So the two, three, four runs in eight matches came in Scotland. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Oh, my bad, my bad. So yeah, that that tournament, you obviously really announced yourself. And um, playing at Grange, you say, was uh, was just obviously things just clicked. You knew you knew your surroundings very well. Talk to me about just. Your mindset when you go to the crease, I mean, do you think six from ball one, reverse sweep from ball one? Like, when I watch you, and I've seen a bit of you now, obviously we're going to talk about some other, other games, in particular the, the England game. But, you know, I love the arrogance, mate. Talk, talk to me about it. Like, is that just, you back yourself that much? Um, well, I think that, that came from a golf coach, I'm pretty sure. He said, you know, as long as on the surface you look cool and calm and everything, everything else will be all right, no matter what you're feeling inside. But um, yeah, I think I think with my batting and the batting style, I, I try and find a way. It, whoever's bowling, I just find the easiest option to hit them for six. You know, take some examples in our dressing room. Adrian Neal on a good flat wicket. There's not a danger I'm hitting him for six over the sight screen. However, yeah. I know that he'll drop me two or three balls in you know back of a length where I could potentially score off. But that's just because of his natural attributes of being quite tall. So yeah. you know someone else like uh, um, you know Mark Wood who's quite skiddy. You know you can actually just stand still and just swing through the ball because it's just going to come on you know quite quick but real nice. It, it doesn't have too much bounce on it, so you can 
you know, you know where you can go after him. You can actually be a bit more conventional and hit him quite straight and drag it to a corner if you need. So I think, I think with my plan and stuff, it's all about working out what are the bowler's strengths, what they're trying to do and where they're trying to bowl it and what, what's my best option to their strengths and where, how am I going to hit them for, for six? Because it's definitely six first, four second. And, you know, we'll, if I have to, I'll do the rest. But it's, it's where, where's the most successful boundary going to come from to that one bowler? Well, I mean, from, from listening to you there, it's great to hear you talk like that. I mean, my mindset would always have been going out. If I try and hit a six and I get out here, I'm going to look. I'm going to look like really bad, or you know, coach is going to have a pop at me. That does. Is that is that got something to do with the back end that you have from your coaching staff and your captain? That it's just you know, this is what we want you to do. Do what you do best. One hundred percent. It come. It comes from the whole team dynamic. I think what you saw. You know, we'll talk about the England game later, as you said. But what you saw there was was years and years of a of a team dynamic and a team space working together and growing as as a whole unit. I think, you know, the coach and the captain and the senior players have such a big job to um, pull everyone in in the direction that they need to go as individuals. And I think, you know, I, I hold massive credit to to Grant, to Toby, you know, Craig Wright. I remember Wrighty back in the day, under twenty threes, going you know, what are you doing playing this little hook shot? I've seen you hit that for six. Don't waste time. Just, you know, from ball one, if they drop it in, it goes. And, you know, having, I was quite lucky to have Wrighty, Bales and Grant at that stage of my career who put a lot of, you know, faith in me to to go out there and uh, to try and really, you know, be destructive in, in my way. And, um, you know, especially with Costa and, you know, Preston as as, as captains as well, they were, you know, very good leaders for me because uh, I remember I remember playing against Preston in a in a club game and he got he got a hundred first and then I got a hundred second but I think mine was off about fifty balls his was off loads and yeah. he walked he walked off saying that um, you know don't change don't change the way you're playing make sure you play like this for Scotland and yeah. have people like that to give you that sort of direction when they've done it. And, you know, then they're still doing it like Costa's, you know, racking up the runs still. And, yeah. you know, that's a big inspiration for, you know, players like me. Well, it's, it's, it's good to hear, um, you know, because normally I think the play is safe. But the Scotland of old, like you say, 10, 15 years ago, when cricket wasn't as big here, you know, it was more the safety first option. It's fantastic to hear that you're getting backed by your, your senior players, your coaches, and we see this talent in you because we need players like you to change the game in Scotland, pave the way for the next generation of kids to come through and look at you and say, you know, I want to hit, I want to hit sixes like like George Monday. I want to play the best sweep like George Monday. Big big innings, um, you know that a lot of people have told me about and mentioned that this guy is just a, you know, he's a freak talent. Came against the Dutch, where you you whacked 127 of 41 balls. I mean, that is just ridiculous, mate. I think, if I'm right in saying, it's the second quickest T20. I don't know if that's changed now as well, but reading up on it, that it was once, that, you know, I think maybe maybe De Villiers is the only one that's maybe done it quicker. But that is that is crazy, mate. Talk to me, like, what what was it? Just one of those, you know, everything just coming out of the middle? No, absolutely not. I was struggling at the start. I was... Uh, How I was... dare you say that? How was... dare you... I was three <laughs> runs off eight balls, 
Um, I wasted my first 10 deliveries. We had, uh, so me, me and Costa opening up in Ireland um, at Malahide. What a place that is. We talked about Malahide early. Great cricket facility, great batting track. Just, you know, it's set for batters, let's be honest. Boundaries are quite yeah. small. Um, but I really struggled in the first few overs. I just couldn't get it off. Well, I couldn't get it out of the ring. But then Costa from ball one was just hitting boundaries. And we were 30 after two point something overs. And Costa was flying. And I think that the biggest thing for me that day was, was Costa played the quick innings at the start. And I think all successful T20 team innings, someone's gone hard from the start. And that took all the pressure off me. And it just, it just made me, you know, just say, it's not been a great start, but I've got time to catch up now because, because of Carl at the other end. And I think that's, that's something that we've done quite well over the last few years is we've sort of dovetailed in. I've gone quickly, he's gone quickly. And, and, we, and there's not been too many times that we've done it at the same time. But um, that, was, that was just, you know, he's, he set a great platform for, you know, the rest of the batters and myself to just go. And when the right bowler came on, that's when the, you know, we, the switch flicked for me. And, yeah. um, you know, it's... it's Managed to start raining a start raining a few sixes in, which was uh, which was always good fun. And batting with Costa that day as well, we put on two hundred. Two hundred, yeah, yeah, bloody hell, two hundred open partnership in T Twenty cricket. That is just that is incredible, unbelievable. But just to hear you say that he started, he was he was flying, and then you just hit into your gear. So how many? I mean, how many balls did he did he did then did Kyle being a you know, he's a smart campaigner, he's experienced. Did he then just push you that bit more to say, you keep going and I'll, I'm quite happy to play second fiddle? Uh, I'm not sure he played second fiddle. I think he only faced 50-odd uh, balls because he got out in the, must have been about 13th, 13th over, 14th over. Yeah. Um, so he was flying as well. He got 90-odd. He got um, but... Uh, the, the great thing about my relationship with Carl when we're batting together in T20s is we just trust each other. We know we know what each other are going to do before the ball's bowled. Um, we don't talk a lot of cricket. Uh, you know, we, we, we say what the bowler's doing, but then yeah. we don't say what we're going to do. We just we just go out and do it and we have a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I just remember that day batting with him, talking about what we're going to have for dinner. Um Whose six was bigger, that one or the one you hit three, three, three balls nice, ago? Nice. Um, and then I do remember on we were on one nine nine, and uh, <laughs> I, I remember looking at the scoreboard, going, "Wow, we're on one hundred ninety nine. One more run, and we've got a double hundred partnership." And he yeah. took the biggest swing and missed, and I'm like, "Cosy, everyone's out. Come on, just yeah. one. We just yeah, need one. Yeah. Run, just edging it to the third man to get our yeah. two hundred up." And I, I, I knew that was, uh, was a pretty special moment for both of us and, uh, you know, something I'll cherish for a, for a long time, batting with him for, uh, for that length of time. The fact that you're right and left-handed as well must have just been an absolute nightmare for the bowlers that day to just be able to find any rhythm, especially if the two of you are just tonking everything all over the park. Um, watching you bat, what I've seen of you, you, you obviously play the, the reverse sweep. Um, you play the, you, you, you like to hit kind of, you hit very well over mid wicket, the spinners in particular. Is that your two kind of main options, reverse or six? Um, 
It kind of depends because early on, it depends on the, where the field's set. So I'm, I'm quite comfortable going downtown, hitting the slight screen, going straight. I actually think that's the, the safest options. Yeah. And a lot of teams now start with someone out on the reverse sweep and then someone else on the, on the sweep. So just well, you're fi- are you finding now? Are you finding now that teams are are, are, cl- are getting a bit clued up with you and they're, they're putting that putting that in place? Yeah, I, I, in a, opening up, I've had a fine leg and a third man in a T20 game versus spin, and I'm and I'm just okay. thinking, what is going on here? Like this is free hits, yeah. like a driving range. But yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of teams will definitely have the reverse sweep out just to keep mm-hmm. that quiet, and then probably a long on. But it gives you so much more of the pitch to use. And I think, ironically, the reverse sweep has become less of a threat by being a threat because they're now blocking that and allowing a lot more space else, elsewhere. But I think, you know, early on in my innings, it's very much a, a safe option for me. I, I believe it's a safe option and uh, something that I'll just keep going to, especially if the field allows and the right bowler comes on. When you say it's the right option for you, I mean, bloody hell, I, I didn't, I was nervous sweeping the conventional way, thinking if I miss this, I'm LBW. You know, where, where, where did, the, is it something you worked on from your, your, your young days? I mean, it wasn't, I mean, growing up in Scotland, I didn't see too many people practicing the, the old reverse sweep. I know the TV and some of the international stars started doing it. Who was the person that you maybe seen doing it or, you know, and you thought, I, I want to work on that? Um, well, I think you nailed it earlier on, saying talking about the arrogance and the confidence. Um, I was playing club cricket, and it was a it was a pink ball game, and I just remember I kept swinging and missing, and just this medium pace bowler, you know, a typical club cricket coming on bowling fifty five yeah. mile an hour and just wobbling the ball a little bit, yeah. and I I didn't know what to do, and I you know I, I wanted to keep trying to hit boundaries, and I couldn't, so I remember just reverse sweeping, them and then from literally. I always did it against spin, but never done it against seam. And then I just started doing it more and more, doing it more against spin, more against seam. And that was, you know, back in 2011, 2012. And then I just practiced and practiced reverse sweeping, sweeping. And that's when I started trying to, you know, channel what areas I can and can't hit and working on different things. And I think, I think what Grant brought to the, to the squad was, never be afraid to experiment and if you practice it and if you work hard enough at it you know we're never he's never going to tell you off for getting out and and I think um there was a pivotal part in my career in the one day stuff um it was in Papua New Guinea I I got put at six after doing really well in the warm-ups in Australia on flat wickets and just doing out going out doing what I was doing hitting some boundaries but then we got to Papua New Guinea it was turning square and I've never really batted five or six before. And um, I think I was 25 or 55 balls because I was trying to play straight back cricket, knock it around, get the team to a good score. And um, Grant came to me and was like, what are you doing? You should have been reverse sweeping them all day. You know, that's why we picked you. And I said, oh, sorry, I was trying to bat like a number five. And yeah. it took me a few games to actually go, actually, you know what? This guy's perfect for a reverse sweep. What am I wasting yeah. time not hitting it? So it, it kind of really started for me there with the Scotland stuff going, well, I, I trust it and I back it. It doesn't matter what stage of the game it is. It doesn't matter what the ball, if I feel it's on, it's, it's coming out. Oh, good, 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 clear, good, clear mindset. Good to hear the coach is clear with his message. Um, to, it sounds like 
that's been a big pivotal part of your why you've been allowed to do that. I mean, if if maybe you'd had been pulled up once or twice and said, listen, you, you need like the, the thinking that you had there would probably be my thinking and the thinking that the national team kind of had when I was in it, where it was like, why did you do that? You gave it, you gave your wicket away. Whereas it sounds like we've moved into a new time. Grant, everybody I speak to talks about Grant, talks about his influence, and, and it's evident to see during his time as a coach, Scottish cricket did some things that we've never really, I don't think, seen Scottish cricket doing that. That that all, you know, came to its kind of head in the England game. Um, a, a lovely Grange. Um, I've already spoken to a couple of the boys about that day, um, and you were obviously a crucial part of uh, of that performance that day as well. I think, you know, when you look at the game. Crossy, Kyle opened up, nice, nice, you know, 100 open stand. We then lost a couple of wickets pretty quickly with Kyle and Crossy getting out. Richie and Callum, really smart head, but then, you know, were able to keep the run rate going, got us to over 200. When Richie goes, as I, as I wa- watching on, you're thinking, right, we could be in a bit of trouble here. You know, not that, not that I wasn't backing you, but, you know, you're, you're playing in England here, top one day team in the world. Are we going to, going to lose all that kind of momentum that we've got and, you know, maybe get close to 300 and, and the game gets pulled back? Well, the answer is no. You stroll out and pretty much straight away the first sweep comes out. And it was like you lifted the... I mean, I remember watching it on the TV. Fortunately, I wasn't there. Um, and you played the reverse sweep and I was out. I can remember just getting out of my seat and thinking, well played, lad. Go, go. I'm like, back yourself. Good, good for you. I mean, what was that again just... Had you been sitting watching, thinking this is this is there for my for me to go out and, and play my reverse sweep? Uh, not really. That was a that was a weird one. The way uh, Moen bowls, he, he bowls relatively quickly, gets a bit of drift and a bit of spin, and he's got the ability to bowl really fast. So that's probably the only dangerous thing to do when you're sweeping is is, is someone's got the ability to to beat you, especially with the, the pace they bowl. But I remember playing and missing at the first ball with a straight bat and going, what are you doing? Like, yeah. people haven't come to see people block it and miss it. And I just yeah. remember going, he's round the wicket. He doesn't have anyone back on the fence. If yeah. this is any other game, um, I'm reverse sweeping. And all I remember doing after ball one, all I remember doing is chuckling and looking at Cloudy and smiling. And, and he knew, and I knew that the next ball was, was doom or bust, you know. And it was uh, a boom or bust, sorry. And it was going to be reverse swept one way or another. And thankfully, it came off the middle and that was uh, that was me. But it's funny you say that, you know, the crowd did lift. And I still get goosebumps to this day because when I look amazing. back at it, it was the crowd that day were, were absolutely amazing. And, yeah. you know, it just shows there's such an appetite for cricket, especially top-level cricket on yeah. a nice sunny day. And... Uh, you know the direction that the Scotland team have, have come in recent years. It, it just shows that we can, we can do it and produce, you know, such a great thing to watch. And uh, it's a shame this year. Obviously, the internationals haven't been um, allowed, obviously, because certain times. But you know, the, the new revolution of Scotland cricket is coming through to start really beating these teams and putting on a good show for uh, for our fans. Yeah. No, I think I think um, you know that performance that day. Is the best that I, I've certainly seen in my in my lifetime from a Scottish team. Um, I, I mean, you you went on to you, you know you hit the ball up, you hit the ball all around the wicket, but probably like you've just highlighted there, 
the adrenaline hit in after that early reverse sweep, and you probably just you just you back yourself, and you know you the Scottish players don't get the opportunity to play against these kind of teams very often, so it's hard to go out there just knowing that well I can do this. You need to get the experience to do it. Whereas now the likes of yourself and the rest of that batting lineup, you should back yourself against any team in the world at the moment. Is that how you? Is that how you? Is that is that how the mindset feels? Well, definitely, and I think that came from before the England game. We had a great build-up in the World Cup qualifiers uh, in Africa. Um, the direction from um, the coaches and, and the captains, uh, Costa, has been, you know, especially for that England day, was like, we're going to beat England, so why not today? Yeah. And yeah. Um, that just put us in a real, really clear mindset because it doesn't matter about failure because as long as you're trying your best and you've got you know, really clear mindset and you're going out to be positive, the game goes in your favour. And I think that yeah. day, the game did go in our favour because we were bolder, we were braver than England, the number one team in the world, the England team. We, were, we, we went out there with better plans and more aggressive plans and, you know, we, we executed them really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, listen, from ball one, talking to Crossy um, on the podcast, he, he spoke about it, you know, he, he was a bit concerned about facing Willie because he knew, you know, he shaped it a little bit and he said, I just got one out short. I said, oh, put it through the covers. Felt good about myself, felt I'm ready to go. Kyle, we all already know, you know, he, he, he proved, he's proven himself at, at that level. I mean, it's not against Bangladesh, for instance, in the World Cup. Just, just ridiculously talented. But there was a couple of question marks over what the rest of the batting order could do. And you boys, you know, should take a, so much confidence from that. And I hope... Um, down the line. Obviously, the other thing was the disappointment of not qualifying for the World Cup through quite a, quite a you know, not so, not so great system, I don't think, that didn't allow us to, to get into that. Made us probably, the boys were probably still on a bit of a downer, you know, you had to, you had to pick, but the, I think that knowing that the old enemy were coming to, coming to Edinburgh, you had to pick yourselves up and we did that so well. And then the fielding performance, I mean, that was... The way Bairstow um, and Roy came out, I mean, Bairstow in particular, he was hitting the ball at will all over the park. And to be honest, at one point it looked like until Mr. Moyne Ali decides to put one straight down your throat at long on, it looked like England were going to stroll it. Yeah, definitely. I think that just shows the, the quality in the, in the pitch of what Grange you know, have produced over the years. Um, I think I think Bairstow was a level above everyone that day, the way he struck the ball so cleanly and like you say at will to you know all around the ground just shows the the talent that he is that was his third ODI 100 in a row you know that's yeah. a serious feat um yeah. and we, we were just we were clinical in the field we you know we we had two main like really big runouts obviously getting root uh was was huge the mix up yeah, between Cedar, Alex, Bell, uh, Michael Lee thrown from the boundary right over the top of the stumps quality yeah, and that's something we worked really hard on because um, our motto back then, our, our mantra was, you know, we may not be the ha- we may not be the best bowlers, we may not be the bat- best batters, but we can be the best fielders, and that was something that was really drilled hard into us. And you know, it's funny looking back, uh, looking back now, and all those cold days at Fetties or MES late nights, and you're, you're doing fielding inside, breaking your hands because it's you know hard floor, hard balls, but it all pays off and. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it just gives you goosebumps to think all that hard work came off on that one day when we needed it to be mm-hmm. perfect, to beat, you know, we only won by seven runs yeah. uh, and we had to be absolutely 100% in the field and we were, we were 100%. So, 
So when Safi bowls that Yorker and hits Wood on the pool, where were you in the field? Uh, thankfully, I think at, in the last over, for some reason, I think I was at third man. I'd been right. at Kimmel Corner most of the day, and I don't know how I've managed to get to third man and just watch it all unfold. But yeah. uh, all I remember did you is... Run? What, was your, what was your reaction? Obviously, your camera was on Safi at that point. So I wouldn't know. Did you have a pause? Did you just sprint? How, what, was your, what was the feeling? Um, I just remember turning around and just seeing... Um, so we had we had a lot of the office staff behind me on, on my left, and then we had um, the corporates on on the yeah, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know exactly where you were down at the tenth side. That's right. Yeah, I think the second there was a Mr. Cannon. He was he, he yeah. was the the CEO just, at the time. He yeah. was fairly he was fairly riled up running on the pitch. Yeah, you just see his shiny head popping up and giving it a big one. But um, no, I just remember seeing the corporates just really up and getting involved and. You never normally see the corporate guys, you know, loving it and like almost yeah. taking off their shirts and ties and ripping off out, out into their skinnies. But yeah. I just remember running in and celebrating and just being like, you know, WTF, what, what's going on? This is yeah. absolutely incredible. And it was so surreal. And it definitely didn't hit me for a few days. Well, probably a few weeks because we had Pakistan a few days after. But... Yeah. I just remember walking around the boundary with a with a beer in hand and you know signing autographs and just going around the public and going back into corporate afterwards for a few cheeky beers and yeah. just just sort of embracing everyone that was there that day to en enjoy what was a uh, you know a really good moment for the you know for Scottish cricket. Yeah, no, you're giving me goosebumps listening to you. You know, picking because you know that's why we all play the game. Especially for international level, that was always something that you strive to beat a test playing nation. But to get to do it at the Grange on a beautiful sunny day from a packed house, I don't think it could have been written any better. Um, I hope we go on to, to beat England again at some point in the near future. Maybe doing it on their soil, that would be that would be something as well. Um, you're, you're right. We then we then kind of got humbled. Um, you know, a little bit in the in the, in the in the T20 series against a very 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 good Pakistan team. They all should come with a with a lot of spin talent. Is that is that something that you think we we need more exposure to moving forward to, to be to really be a, a powerhouse? Because it, it, in T20 now, I don't. It's not so much the pace bowling that seems to be running the show. It's these spinners. It's these spinners that do really well. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I, I, you know, it was it was quite hard to transition from beating England in a one-day game to then going to face the next number one team ranked in the world in T20s. It was yeah. it was something we were prepared to do, but in such a short space of time, you know, cutting celebrations short on the greatest day in Scottish cricket to then focus yeah. um, the day after at training and the day after that for the first game versus Pakistan. I thought actually, as as a team, we're, we're very professional and we. We got ourselves in a really good headspace. Um, so you're telling me then that nobody crawled in at three or four o'clock that morning. Then you boys got you, you enjoyed it for a bit, but then took yourselves back at a reasonable time. I I am fairly confident to say that everyone was. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure that Richie Barrington fell into that category as well? Richie is one of the most professional men I've ever come across. Um, absolutely, absolutely, absolute legend of a man. Um, yes, yeah. Is. So no, I. I I just remember everyone being in the change room afterwards. Like we stayed a long time at the Grange, and I just remember everyone being absolutely knackered after the emotions. And um, 
I think quite a few of us went to the, obviously the Rayburn next door and that's where a few celebrations kicked off. But I know, I know all the guys didn't have um, that late at night at all. And we had a team meeting at 10 o'clock the next day. Everyone was fresh and raring to go for a, good, another good. opportunity to beat um, another number one team in the world, Pakistan. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. That's, that, that's good to hear because, I mean, it would have been quite easy to, to lose yourself in that moment and take your eye off the ball. But obviously, coach, captain, squad knew what the, the, the task was. And you played some good cricket in the T20 game. There were some moments that were quite good in the Pakistan games. But overall, I think it's just you need more exposure of T20 cricket when you're coming up against these, these type of players. And I think it will stand you in good stead the next time. Yeah, unfortunately, it won't be this, this season. But down the line, I hope it will stand us in good stead when we play against those type of teams again. Obviously, all these performances, months. You know, T20 freak talent. You know, somebody that world cricket is now talking about, which is great to see um, as, a, as, a, as a fellow Scot. It's seen you get picked up by the Brampton Wolves um, in, the, in the Global T20 Canada Tournament. There was yourself. Um, I know Crossy was out there. Kyle was out there as well. Um, was Richie out there as well? Richie, uh, Cloudy... And then yeah. Evo came as well. Six guys, man. That's you know, fantastic, fantastic for us as a, as a nation to get people involved. Talk to me about your experience. You obviously done, you done pretty well. One of your highlights was you scored a 66 in one of the games. Um, where, where you're up against some pretty, pretty Mitchell Clenigan, I think, and you had uh, Moses Enriquez, um, some good bowlers coming at you, and you, you talked them all over the park. Talk to me about just the experience and beat what kind of players you were around in that tournament. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. I think it's something that um, associate cricketers and our Scotland lads need to do more and more of. I think it just opens you up to a new level of cricket. Um, obviously, in my team, I was lucky to have, uh, well, I have Riaz, um, Shahid Afridi, Darren Sami, Colin Monroe, Ish Sodi, just to name a few. But, you know, you talk about playing against Pakistan. Well, there's no better, there's no better thing than to do is actually play with them and learn off them. Yeah. And, and see what they do and how they go about their their trade. I think um, I think the more we can do that as a as a group and individuals, the more experience we can bring back and just keep developing uh, everyone in the in the Scottish system, which is vitally important. Um, I think that tournament for myself it was a it was bizarre. Um, I had a lot of fun. My teammates were amazing. My coaching staff was absolutely brilliant. Um, apart from day one. We, we turned up to training on day one and I broke my thumb. It was in the oh. net. It was in the nets. The nets were terrible. They were doing all sorts. And I just thought, I need yeah. five minutes here, get my head straight. Literally, yeah. I think it was ball three, jumped off a le- uh, length. And uh, I, I, uh, I, I broke my thumb all the, way, all the way down one side. And it was, it was uh, not an agreement. It wasn't off Vibriaz, was it? No, it was sidearm. To be even worse, I can't even say it was oh, right. That, oh, those things. I'm not sure about those things. I'm, 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 I'm glad I didn't come through in the sidearm era. Those things are they fly. Yeah, they can come down pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a terrible start to the tournament. But I just remember we were very lucky. Our physio and doctor has been to the IPL. I think he's done twelve seasons. Um, and he just pulls out. I probably shouldn't say this. And blank. Um, little f- uh, bucket full of pills. He's like, these yeah. will help. I took one, and then ten minutes later, I'm starting catching, and everything's great, and I couldn't feel a thing. 
So I was on this. I'm glad you didn't get drug tested anytime soon after that. It sounds like it could have been quite an interesting tablet, but we don't. So no. I'd imagine it would have been some sort of anti-inflammatory or something just to, to to numb the pain as much as possible. But so you managed to then you, you played the rest of the tournament with a with a broken thumb. Yeah. So it was uh it was just strapped up, and I was on these painkillers. Let's call them. Uh, I got um what is it a. Uh, UT, UT special, uh, it's where you get a doctor's note and you're allowed to take the drugs to perform at a certain level. Um, and uh, yeah, I had to take the pills 10 minutes before we started. Couldn't take them in warm up because I'd only be allowed to take a certain amount. So I didn't do much in the warm ups and then absolutely fine. Couldn't feel a thing. Occasionally started to forget to do stuff like watch a cricket ball when you're fielding. Um, but uh, it, was, it wasn't until afterwards uh, I sat down, adrenaline would obviously come down and I'm, my thumb is just absolutely throbbing and yeah. uh, he, he used to get the shoelace, take the shoelace out of his shoe, tie it around my thumb really tightly and just let the blood drain out back in and forth. You'd do that for 10 minutes and um, it would cool it proper down. Proper old school, proper old school techniques to, to, yeah. get, you, to get you by. Well, you must be, a, must be a pretty brave lad as well. I mean, that, a broken thumb is no... I know there's probably a lot of players I reckon that wouldn't have fancied it after that. But I mean, how is it now? Have you had any long, long-lasting damage, or do you think you're you're in the? Yeah, no, all good. Thank you very much. Um, I didn't, I didn't miss a game. I didn't miss a training session. It was, it was an absolute bizarre thing. Thankfully, it was the bottom hand. Um, so I actually started playing straight, which was weird. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it was good fun. And look, the tor- tournament itself was is absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's a shame that the Scotland one couldn't kick off. I think. Yeah, the local lads. You know, I made some really good friends out there, and the local lads they learned so much, and there was such a good vibe around the dressing room. And they, you know, they had four or five um, Canadian players. They didn't all play, but they're all learning from that dressing room. And yeah. I would love to. I would love to see our young lads be in the dressing room with these guys, learning off yeah. them, the way they prepare for games, the way they, you know, their mentality to to how they go about cricket and how they go about getting away from cricket, which, as you know, is, is one of the biggest things um, yeah. that, that a lot of young players don't actually understand or know how, how to do. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it was just a fantastic tournament. I was very blessed and lucky to be, have such good teammates as well. Yeah, just on some of the guys you played with there, I played against and played with a couple of those guys. How did you find uh, Shahid Afridi? He was absolutely hilarious. Um, and what a talent. So he, oh, yeah. he hadn't played cricket for three months. And he's, right. his, his word, it might be true, it might not be true, but I believed him. He hadn't yeah. touched a cricket ball for two months. That wouldn't and, surprise me. He's a busy guy. If he's not, if he's not involved, he's, he's constantly busy. He does a lot of charitable stuff. So yeah. I, I believe him. I believe he probably that is the case. And uh, he was bowling at me his first over for two months. And he's landed a leggy perfectly. And I, and I just wanted to watch it. So I was just patting it back. I was just watching him, you know, long hair, yeah. the ball. And I was just watching him just in a bit of awe, really. Not really yeah, having yeah. a practice session. And yeah. then I was like, oh, he's doing all right for, a, you know, a 42-year-old. Um, yeah. And next ball, googly, didn't pick it, you know, fall over. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to start concentrating here. And that's when the reverse started coming out. And, and uh, he was... Uh, just a freak, you know, to be able to not uh, play cricket for so long and bowl leg spin, which is by far the hardest thing to do in cricket as a bowler, um, and be so accurate. And hit between him and Ish in the middle overs, they won us games of cricket 
every every time. And yeah. both of them to have two gun leggies in your side, they couldn't they couldn't get us away. It was turning pitch. I think Ish's first figures were five for seven, you know, yeah. in a T twenty game that's on tiny tiny boundaries. So it was brilliant to uh, watch how those two went about their business and just how relaxed. Uh, it's really really easy to be relaxed when you're as good as him and you know he's been around for so long, but. To be as fun as him and to enjoy the game at, you know, 42 was uh, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Yeah, 42 had maybe three or four or five years on there, but I mean, what the main thing about it is the shape that he's kept himself in. I used to watch him um, when I played for Pakistani Customs out in Pakistan. Afridi used to use the gym there, and I don't know if you've seen him training in the gym while he was out there, but he trained hard every single gym session, like real high intensity. So there's a reason he's managed to keep himself in the pitch that long. One other guy I want to ask you about, don't know if you managed to catch up on one of my episodes, but Darren Sammy I just interviewed recently. How was it playing with the big man? Hey, he is so cool. Just the way he walks, the way he talks, you know, before games, after games, during games, the swagger he brings is, is quality. Uh, obviously, I was lucky to play with him in the T10 as well. He was my captain there, captain in yeah. Canada. Um, you know, it's just, the way he acts, I remember bumping into him in in the airport in London on the way to the T10, and you know yeah. you just you just hear that yeah, and, and he just yeah. you, know, you just look and you go. Oh. such a down to earth guy. Oh such God. a down to earth guy. No, he's easy going guy, just great great character, and you know he plays the game in a great spirit, and uh, he also gives it a bit of a whack as well, which is nice. He yeah, can, no, he can. Can, uh, he, he plays with a real long hat. He's got like long hat. He's just got levers on him. Man. He just manages to. He's a bit like him and the the lad Braithwaite for West Indies. I mean, he doesn't even look like he hits it, but he's just got these levers, and the ball ball, go, ball goes for miles. Listen, it's great to hear that, and, and you're right. Unfortunately, we didn't get to have our tournament over here. I think, fingers crossed, moving down in the future, it does happen because for so many reasons. One, for the likes of yourself and some of the other up and coming players to play for Scotland, to get to rub shoulders with the best, but also for the general public, kids coming through, it's huge for them to be able to go and watch. I mean, it's exciting to go and watch a regional game here and there, but if I, if I, if I for instance, from a fan's point of view, know that Dale Stade is going to be running in at Titwood this afternoon, or, you know, a Darren Sammy might be playing at a Freedy, the punters are going to come in, and I think that's what's lacked in Scottish cricket, that it's only really the games against England or a Pakistan touring team that the punters really come in to watch. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed, moving forward, there can be a, the tournament can be launched again. And I, I think it would be fantastic to take, because since the England victory, there is a real excitement in Scotland about cricket, which has never been there before. So, you know, great, great stuff. Great to hear, listen to your, your insight into that experience. I'm sure you'll inspire many young kids watching to think, you know, I want to do that one day as well. I want to finish with... Uh, Couple of quick fire questions, just a bit of fun. Don't think about your answers too much. Um, just give me what comes to mind. Your favourite cricketer and why? Um, Marcus Drascoffic. Grew up watching him. Doesn't move his feet too much. Just stands still, and you know he was actually quite graceful as well. But you know, not a lot phased him. He just he was a, he was a big lad. He just stood there and took whatever came his way. Good answer, mate. What what a player as a fellow left-hander. Um, just freak, freak talent, freak talent. Who's the quickest you've ever faced? I mean, the old old Cummins must be up there if he if he if he gave you that after your earlier story. Um, yeah, uh, 
Pat Cummins. You reckon probably at this stage? Yeah. It was also a Red Bull, and I, I'm not a big fan of Red Bull cricket, so I could barely see it. Okay, nice. That's a, that was a disadvantage at early doors then for you that day, man. You probably were hoping that you didn't survive 51 minutes that day. You probably were hoping that I like, could have been in the hut with him. I know when I played against Australia, Johnson hit me in the arm, and I genuinely wanted the ground to open up and just swallow me. You might have felt like that that day a little bit as well. Um, yeah. What do you dislike about cricket? What's the one thing you don't like about cricket? Uh, probably the amount of time that we have to stand in a field uh, and not doing too much, I think. Probably the main reason I've gone to more, to more T20 uh, way of, of thinking, not only for my batting, but I think the enjoyment there for a non-bowler, that's, that's what I am, um, to stand in a field for 150 overs in a day is just not, it's not appealing, um, yeah. you know, and to, to be in and out in three hours and still manage to take five, four, still manage to score a hundred, I think is, you know, it's, it's brilliant. And uh, even when you're fielding, um, you know, in T20, you can, you, there's always something happening. So I think, you yeah, know, concentrate. Yeah, so I think, I think the, the long periods in the field that you get is, is probably the only thing I dislike about cricket. Well, listen, from a, from, a, from a cricket point, I'm a total traditionalist. But I love my test cricket. I grew up watching test cricket. I formed my batting on test cricket. So me and you are probably like the two total opposite left-handers. I wish I could whack a cricket ball like you. There's not a, I mean, I had to take six steps straight down the wicket to be able to clear the ropes. It's very frustrating sometimes to sit and, to sit and watch you bat and just see you go down one knee and plonk it miles over the rope. But it's, it's again, great to see Next question. This is I could probably answer this one for you. What's your favourite thing in cricket? Uh, whacking sixes. Yeah, yeah. I thought making, I making the bowler feel as small as possible after a nice length ball and just teeing up and saying thank you very much. There's nothing thank better. Has that come from your? You know, see, you're obviously a great golfing talent as well. Do you think the hitting the sixes came from the fact that obviously when you hit a golf ball, apart from when you're putting. You had it long, long and far. Do you think that's just been something that's been instilled in you from a young age? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think I think a lot of sports help help my cricket. I think hockey was a big factor, especially for the reverse sweep. Uh, I think I think my long swings definitely come from golf, and occasionally when you know I'm posing at the end of a six, it looks just like a golf finish as well because I've got such a long follow through. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think all these sports growing up. Um, have helped me no end in you know in pushing the boundaries of, of what I can do as a cricketer and you know and also like you say not not being fixed in that box like what you were talking about the way you would come and play in innings in, in longer format cricket doesn't mean you have to play that in different forms of cricket you can you know try try different uh, varieties varieties of things to try and hit the ball further which is currently what I'm doing in out of lockdown as well is um, lifting weights and experimenting with things to see if I can hit the cricket ball further. Even further, there won't be a ground big enough for you, mate, if you hit it any further you've already been hitting it. What advice have you got for young kid, 13, 12, 13-year-old, wants to play cricket as his, his profession? What do you say to him? Him or her, sorry. Obviously, a lot of... Lot of uh, I'm hoping to get some women cricketers on in the near future. It's obviously there's potential in both avenues now. Yeah, definitely. I think um, just starting off, I think cricket offers such a great lifestyle. 
especially with the way cricket is moving into the modern modern era of T20 cricket and the places that you travel to, I think cricket couldn't be a better avenue for, you know, the next generation of sportsmen and women. Um, I think for the youngsters, it is so vitally important to just keep playing all the sports under the sun. You never know when that will come in handy with the sport that you finally choose with. Hopefully it's cricket because that, that has definitely helped me no end, especially we talk about hockey and the reverse sweep and, you know, golf and the swing. You know, all these sports really helped me progress. Um, but the, the main thing, um, you know, for, cricket, for cricketers is to just keep finding a love and enjoyment of the game and don't be tied down to what if, what if I get out, what if he hits me, for, hits me or her, her for six, you know. We just, we just need to let that go and just embrace every moment and uh, just enjoy it for what it is and also for what you like out of the game. You might, you might not want to hit sixes. You might want to just, you know, um, survive and, and bat for hours on end so you never have to be in the field. You've, you've just got to find your enjoyment uh, as well. So what does the future hold to finish with, Munch? What, what's the roadmap? What's, the, what's, the, what's your goals? What, what do you want to achieve in the next five five years of your career? Um, IPL's big on the list. I want to I wanna get to the IPL. I want to experience the IPL. Um, I want to just keep doing what I'm doing. I want to play a few more T20 tournaments. Um, I wouldn't mind ticking off a few more records. Uh, and just, I want to have some fun with my mates. I love touring with Scotland. I think we've got yep. a really good bunch and really like the dynamic at the moment. Um, mm. Obviously, this has been a real shame what's currently happened. But, you yep. know, you know, times aren't always easy, but I'm really yeah. looking forward to, uh, you know, meeting up with some new teams and uh, Scotland teams around the world and just trying to um, put my aggressive uh, spin on whatever game I come across. Well, listen, mate, from my point, to, from, from my point of view to you, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. It's been uh, really interesting to hear how your, your mindset is, um, how you approach the game. I think you've got a uh, a really good attitude, a really a real kind of confidence about you, which I, I like to see because I think in international cricket, you've got to have a bit of an edge about you or you're going to struggle to survive. Uh, from me to you, I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Um, hopefully we can catch up again at some point um, and, and talk about some of the next chap couple of chapters that have been written in your career. And I really hope I get to see you play in the IPL one day. And just uh, remember your old mate Shaky if you do get to that point. And we can, uh, you know, a free meal or something would go down nice because your bank balance will be all right at that point. Only if you come to Edinburgh. None of this Glasgow rubbish. I can, I can do that. If you give me, if you can give me some petrol expenses as well, mate. I mean, <laughs> twenty-five No, I'll definitely get to Edinburgh at some point, mate. It'll be good to catch up with you. But thank you very much for your time. Cheers, Shaky.